welcome once again to another episode of Stu Him Productions presents JM Solve the World. I am James. And I am Matt. And tonight we are doing something a little special. We are going to name a supergroup of our choice. But that supergroup all has to be dead. And you've got to give a reason why. You chose so-and-so over so-and-so. And somebody that died and came back does not count. They have to be six feet under or ash. And I'm not talking Bruce Campbell. Oh, man, he's going to basic cars. All right. So, tonight, returning, we have Uron. We have Cody. And James will be giving the supergroups. But earlier tonight, we did a little Rochambeau, and uh, Cody lost, so he gets to go first. For my supergroup? Yeah, yeah, talk into the microphone. For my supergroup? Yes. Okay. Ready whenever? Um, and go. All right. So... I chose my singer at Dio. You motherfucker. Hey, you'll be fine. And my lead guitarist is... Okay, hang on. Why did you choose Dio? I don't have a reason why I chose anybody over anybody. I'll bring out my reason after I say everybody. Okay. My lead guitarist is Eddie Van Halen. Mm -hmm. My bassist would be Lemmy from Motorhead. Okay. My drummer is uh, Taylor Hawkins from Foo Fighters. Mm Mm-hmm. And then my little twist, Beethoven on piano. Oh. Or keys. Okay. Okay. I mean, he he did get down in Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. I, I kind of want to see Beethoven on a guitar. That would go hard. Oh, fuck. <laughs> okay. He, he, he can Besides play piano okay. or Ben Taylor and fucking shredding. Oh, man. Yes. Thank anyway, you for that. Aaron. Okay. Cody, why did you choose the people that you chose? So... Personally, everybody that I looked at is wonderful. Mm-hmm. They're all good. Okay. But I think this would just go unbelievably hard. It could be, they could probably make a very good selling album out of this if they were all in the same time period and somehow created a band together. Okay. And we're still alive. That too. Okay. Well, uh, I'll accept it. And... Um, I mean, it, it it's all very good. You've got uh, you've got a great kind of collectic there. Uh, I will say the Beethoven was a fucking twist, especially because the guy is deaf. Um, but he still made some great music. Oh yeah, he did. Yes, yes, he did. Um, I mean, anything that. You'd like to add on that, James? Well, you know, the, the addition of Beethoven there, um, if you think about it, classical music was kind of the metal of its day. Yeah. Because they played as hard and loud as what they had right. to play with. Right. You know, I mean, of course, they were playing in amphitheaters and stuff. Mm-hmm. But... 
Yeah, they. You can just hear they have a loud ass. Right. Okay. Exactly. You need to move closer to the microphone. I mean, you you can raise that microphone up. Yeah. No, you gotta. No, no, no. There you go. Yeah. Oh my God! Look at there. Whoa. Now. Happy to see you, man. Now you can you can get up on that microphone. Oh really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean because. All the way back here, and you've got a little boy voice. You yeah, can't they, really they hear. can't hear shit, and I'm not at yeah. you. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, you look at, and I didn't really put this together, and it's stupid, until Metallica did their symphony album. Mm-hmm. The first symphony album with the, yeah, the S&M. San Francisco Philharmonic. Mm-hmm. I'm going, how's that going to work? But, it, but it's like, shit, classical and metal. Right. It's two different eras. Right. It, it works together. So I like. I really like that pick. Uh, Lemmy was not known really for his bass playing. No. You know, was, you know, he wasn't a Getty Lee no. type bass player and everything, but I'm sure he could hold a rhythm. Right, and he was know. an influ- uh, influenceable. He was such an influential. Yes. Thank you. Right. Uh, bass player, and he was a guitar player. Uh, when he first joined Hawkwind, mm-hmm. and he was a guitar tech for Hendrix. Right. And being a guitar tech for Hendrix, he pretty much said, I'm going to play bass. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> but if, if you listen, Lemmy played like he was playing a guitar. Right. And he played out of a Marshall before Marshall did bass amps. And right. they, even yeah. now, still, they don't really do bass amps. Right, it was a Marshall guitar stack. Yes, that he was playing his bass through. Right, and it was affectionately known as Murder One, and now they have the Lemmy Signature Murder One that Marshall made for him. He probably he probably went through a lot of speakers. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, Taylor Hawkins, uh, excellent drummer. Yeah. And I mean, and that's coming from you know one of the greatest drummers of all time, from Dave Grohl. Right. And I mean, you know, you okay, the first Foo Fighters album, Dave Grohl played everything, but then right. he got the band, and kind of like Mammoth. Right. Yeah. Uh, Nine Inch Nails. Right. You know, but um, but didn't t- just you go totally off yeah. subject on Nine Inch Nails. Didn't Trent Reznor? Record everything himself and yes. then hired a band on mm-hmm. every tour. Yes. Or is it like with Foo Fighters, mm-hmm. they've done that the first time. Yes. But then they hired a band, but that now but then now they're all contributors. Right, right. And I think Mammoth is the same way. Yes. Yeah, the, the first Mammoth album, uh Wolfie <coughs> did everything. Right. And then the second Mammoth album is when he had the band together and they got a second album out? Yes. That that's really? what that's what they're on tour for now. Really? Yeah. I'm and it's able to find the first one on. Yeah. Amazon. Uh, the the second album, well, the first video off the second album, uh, shows the way that he got the band. Oh yeah. Yeah. Where he fires himself. Yeah. Fires all the uh, yeah of himself. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Um, the um uh, the Eddie Van Halen part. I mean that's a. That's a no-brainer. Yeah. Um, who, what other... Dio. No, what other... Did the, it was just Eddie on guitar? Yeah. Okay. Um, and, I mean, you know, you can't go wrong with Dio. No. Um, 
Now, Dio was known for his harmonies. Right. He, he's got an amazing voice. He could hit those fucking highs and he can hit those lows, but there was no... Yeah. You know? Um, I think the uh, the Mob Rules Black Sabbath album, mm-hmm. you know, I thought that was... I thought he was a great replacement for Ozzy. Right. But... I mean, um, uh, Ozzy could have been mine, but he's not dead yet. Correct. Um, he's close enough. Yeah. Um, but I mean, all again, all great picks. Yep. Uh, it would be very interesting. It'd be a, it'd be an interesting sound. Yes, I, I I totally agree. You know, you get the Eddie Van Halen mm-hmm. writing, the Taylor Hawkins writing, the Lemmy yeah. writing, and you blend that together. That would be interesting. And Lemmy was a very smart man. Yeah. Um. And I mean, you get you get Dio in on that, oh, yeah. because you know Lemmy had that 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 signature sound mm. for his bass and his vocals, right? And you know, a lot of people claimed that Motorhead was a fucking uh, a metal band, but Lemmy swore until his dying day that Motorhead was just a rock and roll band. Right? We are Motorhead and we play rock and roll. Yeah. I agree. Okay. Yeah. All right, Iran. All right, well, so my lead vocalist for this one was Dio, but of course Cody didn't choose that until after I mentioned it at work. Uh, You'll be okay. Asshole. You can have it's doubles. Right. Okay, okay, move closer to the microphone. All right. There we go. But I chose Dio because, as I mentioned before, he can hit those high notes. That's mm-hmm. some of my favorite bands, like Journey, uh, Boston. Uh, my mind's going blank. Probably had too much to drink earlier. No. But, uh, not as bad as last night. <laughs> Not yet. Not yet. But I love his voice. Oh, one of my, I mean, personally, one of my favorite bands was called Blood Good. And they're, it's, it's not a great band, but their lead vocalist, whose name I, for life of me, can't remember, hits those, hits a lot of those high notes. And Dio's voice just reminded me a lot of him. Okay. And I'd choose him, except he's still alive. Yeah. But uh, that's what I chose for my lead vocalist. The next two are uh, pretty obvious picks. Uh, we got uh, Dimebag Daryl for lead guitarist. Mm-hmm. And Cliff Burton for uh, bass. Okay, and then uh, well, hang on. Come. Why choose Dime over Eddie or Randy or Stevie Ray or Jeff Beck or you know any of those guys? Well, when I was going, when I was trying to learn a bit about this list so I could have mm-hmm. some idea what I'm talking about. Yeah, I I actually went through a bunch of lead guitars and stuff, just going through YouTube videos. Okay, just going through albums and. Dimeback just ended up being my favorite. Okay. And Cliff Burton, that man can play a bass like nobody else I've ever seen. It's. Okay. He kind of, sometimes he makes it sound like an electric guitar somehow. Yes. It was incredible. Well, um. Uh, On the first album. Okay, hang on. I'm I'm sorry. uh, Not to cut you off. And I'm I'm cutting myself off. Uh, Please continue with your list. And and, and then we'll give our critiques. The last guy on my list, he's uh, died fairly recently within the last like 10 15 years or so um jimmy the revenant or the rev from avenge sevenfold is the drummer okay i i've loved that band for years but especially after the song unholy confessions the drum plays a massive part in that song like you Mm -hmm. if there's like there's audio out there of just the drums from that Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's fast-paced it's complicated and i fell in love with it 
Okay. I think he'd be a great drummer. He could. I, I think he could work with anything that they write. So why the rev uh, in that vein? Why the rev over Joey Jordanson? Because that's what I grew up with. Is Avenged Sevenfold. Okay. Know? Okay. Um. Yeah. Uh. Orion. Like if you listen to actual the Master Puppets album, and Orion, and, until because when we were growing up, we obviously we didn't have the internet, and you had to read about stuff mm-hmm. after it happened. So getting a, a hit parader or a circus magazine or raw or guitar world yeah or, or anything like yeah. that, you know, you hear the the middle part of Orion. You automatically think, well, that's a guitar. Mm-hmm. But it's actually Cliff playing bass. And the fact that he did it with his fingers and not with a pick was something just phenomenal. Superhuman. Um, you know, he, he had a love affair with the wah pedal. Uh, he used his wah a lot. Mm-hmm. And, you know. And he wasn't afraid to, to add the distortion and everything. No, to the bass no. if. There's a there's a track on Kill 'Em All called Anesthesia Pulling Teeth, mm-hmm. and that's Cliff's bass solo. In fact, that's how it starts. That's yeah, it's like bass, bass solo, solo take, take one. Yeah, and a lot of guitar players can play it, and not a lot of bass players can play it perfectly. Right. Uh, Newstead couldn't do it. Just because Newstead plays with a pick, right? There's a, and there's and a difference in sound and feel. Yes, using the fingers as opposed to picking it. Yeah, and you know, uh, just like Orion, you know, Metallica hasn't played Orion since Cliff died, yeah. pretty much. And uh, through the Never, the Metallica movie was like the first time that they'd played it, and Rob fucking killed it. Yeah. And I'm not taking anything away from Newstead because Newstead hung in there longer than most people should with the amount of shit. And, and James they, and they, Lars have admitted it to this day. Yeah. They gave him so much fucking shit for no reason at all. Well, He was the new guy. It's, it's like Kirk said, um, they were mourning Cliff's death because Cliff died. You know, you know how Cliff died? Was that it was a rollover? Was that bus accident? They were, yeah, they were, the they were on tour in Europe. They hit a, a patchy spot of ice. Fucking yeah. above flipped over, and everybody's screaming and everything. And they all get out. And they're like, "What the fuck is like going he on?" He went out the window and got crushed. Up. He no, uh, yeah. it, through the ex- escape hatch oh, yes. on the top of the bus, oh, he got thrown out of it because he was on a top bunk, and for the, the longest, but the bus ended up on top of him. Right, it, the bus flipped completely over, and. The bus driver had said black ice, and Hetfield in tidy whities and socks ran like a mile back down the road and could not find the black ice. And he was fucking just pissed. Um, Kirk blamed himself because they they but, did the shortest the straw. Shortest straw. Shortest straw. Draw, draw cards. Yeah. It was... Uh, yeah, yeah. It was Cl- the, Cliff yeah. drew the ace of spades. He's like, I want your bunk, Kirk. And Kirk... Slept on the top bunk. And I mean, you know, Cliff yep. chose it. And those in uh, Copenhagen, Denmark in 1986 
were the last ones to see Cliff Burton play with Metallica. Yeah. It's got to be surreal. It, yeah. it, it was because at the time, Metallica was never mentioned on MTV because they didn't have a video. Mm. They never talked about it. And then it was just a like the MTV News. Yeah. Uh, Metallica's bass player, Cliff Burton, dies in freak bus, bus accident. And it's just like, what? So, um, all in all, I think you've got a, a pretty strong lineup. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not a, I'm not going to lie. I'm not a, uh, Avenged Sevenfold fan. That's fair. It's not because of their music. It's because of M Shadow's vocals. I, I hate hate with a passion whiny vocals I, I guess I can see where you're coming from I, I can't do the whiny vocals um, how do you feel about post after him fucking up his throat and he had to change things up I, I don't give I haven't listened no, it's, I, it's let, me t- let me tell you what if I am listening to satellite radio regardless of what channel it is and Avenged Sevenfold comes on I immediately turn change the fucking channel I could be in the middle of a workout fucking set listening to satellite radio. I will fucking rack the weights and change the fucking, or I will stand there with the weights up on my shoulder, especially if I'm doing squats. I will stop with the weights on my shoulder and I have the ability on my watch and I will fucking, I will move that fucking track. I respect the commitment. Um, I just, I, I don't agree. I like it. I like it. I, I did. But then it, it got to be too much. Like the first album, it was like, yeah, okay. But then, you know, it's like everybody said about ACDC. You know, every album sounds the same. Well, it doesn't, but whatever. It, it just got to be too much for me. Just for me. And that's my opinion. Uh, I'm just the M of the J&M. So. Which song do you hate the most? Like, do you, do you have one from from what you've listened to? Do you have one you hate the most? Uh, Beast and the Harlot. Okay, I get it. I've I've listened to that one a few t- several times. It, it it's it's along like we had talked before. Uh, Zeppelin, mm. you know, they only played three songs on the radio over and over and over again, and that song plays a lot. And I did a deep dive because one of my guys in the army uh, was an Avenged Sevenfold fan. So I got the music from him, and I'm listening. I'm like, okay, yeah, okay, yeah. No. I mean, it's the same. You know, I gave Black Veil Bride the benefit. Like, okay, I'm going to listen to these guys. They look like a bunch of fucking posers. Um, You know, because back in the day when we were growing up, nobody had tattoos until they had, like, that third platinum album. And then they started getting tattoos. You know, Molly Crew didn't have like serious tattoos until Girls, Girls, Girls. Um, James Hetfield from Metallica. Cliff Burton was the only one that had a tattoo forever. Right. And it was the Misfit Skull. And after Cliff passed, nobody had tattoos in that band. Uh, you know, Ozzy was the big, ooh. You know, the, 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 the heavily tattooed one. Yeah. 
And then Carrie King. That heavily tattooed. No. No, I mean, if looking at Ozzy now, compared to half of the bands out there, he's barely tattooed. Ozzy's got a couple flash arts put on him. Yeah. But it's what he's known for now. Right. You know, um, I mean, it's just weird. Uh, Ron Young from the band Little Caesar. Uh, they were doing a video, and he had both both arms sleeved, and it connected to a complete back piece. That's cool. And he was like, you know, look at me. I'm not going to put on a suit and tie and go to Wall Street. It's just not going to happen. So, I mean, you know, he made that commitment, but he was one of those Hollywood Sunset Strip guys. So what what does that have to do with Black Veil Brides? Back to the point. Yeah, they're they're just uh, you know, they were young. I'm sorry. Yeah, they were a young band, and they were just heavily tattooed. And it was like, who are these guys? Yeah. And it's like, but you got to realize in the '80s, when we're, we're talking about with bands not getting heavily tattooed till their third album or whatever, it's a different time. Right. You didn't. I mean, back in the '80s, you didn't see anybody walking around in your town. Right. That was heavily tattooed. Oh, right. You might see a, an ex-army guy or something with mom on his fucking yeah. shoulder or whatever, you know. I mean, how many behind the musics did we see that, you know, bands had dissolved and a guy had went and became a fucking real estate agent? Right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> or start playing country music. Oh, fucking fuck it. No. Okay. So, again, another good list. You put in some research on it. That is amazing. <laughs> and finally... For this episode, the final super group, I give it to the man, James. Okay. What position are you going to start in? I want to start with the drums. Okay. Um, people are probably going to wonder, well, why didn't you pick Vinny? Why didn't you pick that? Yeah. I'm going to go Taylor Hawkins. Okay. And I'll explain why. Okay. On the list. Bass, Cliff Burton. Okay. Just because, honestly, I couldn't think of a lot of great bass players that I like that have right, passed, right, you know. Right, yeah. Bass players don't get the acclaim right. of guitar players. I mean, I can think of a 20 country guitar players. I can't think of one country bass player. Right. You know, unless I research, you know, unless mm-hmm. I go on the Google machine. Right, and they because they've always been in the background. <coughs> But Cliff, I mean, is just fucking phenomenal. Right. My guitarist, mm-hmm. Randy Rhodes. Okay. A lot of people go, why, why didn't you pick Dime? Why did you pick it? Here again, it's got to fit in with the motif. My lead singer, Lane Staley. From oh. Austin Chains. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. And on the way up here, I've. We had it on Amazon. It was just playing. Where it was, heard an Alice in Chains song, and I'm like going, yeah, that's why I picked him. Yeah. Because I think that group of guys. Oh, yeah. You get the classical background of Randy Rhodes, mm-hmm. the songwriting of Cliff Burton, mm-hmm. Lane Staley. I mean, probably the death of metal in the early 90s, <laughs> you know. Just because, you know, he was grunge, but 
they were grunge, but they weren't grunge. Right. They were. They, I mean, they were on a tour with uh, Metallica and. Well, Alice in Chains were on the Clash of the Titans tour. That's it. Yeah. With Megadeth and Slayer. Right. 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 That's it. Yeah. But you know, and then you got fucking Taylor Hawkins. Yeah. Foo Fighters, the grunge from Dave Grohl. Yeah. And you know, and and I I would love to just to see how that all fit together. And he played drums for Alanis Morissette. Right. That's where he got fucking uh, recruited by Dave Grohl. Yeah. He was on tour uh, with Alanis Morissette. Right. Um, you know, I... But I think you get that mix of... Oh, yeah. You get that mix of the grunge, the the fucking just nasty rock, and the thrash of the cliff. Yeah. I would love to see how that would have blended together. Well, and, you know, uh, one of the interviews... um, and this this was an early interview because it was Cliff and Dave Mustaine, and they were asking about uh, influences. Mm-hmm. And Cliff had mentioned REM. Mm-hmm. Now this was back in like eighty, right? So I mean, and you see where REM, like where they oh, yeah. direction they went into. Yeah. Um, and Taylor Hawkins, uh, they did a there was a small piece on YouTube. And they were talking about the importance of Ringo Starr from the mm-hmm. Beatles, mm-hmm. which a lot of people don't talk about. Right. But it's it's the yeah, way it's that all about he John and yeah is you know yeah with uh, Ringo it was it was a jazz sort of influence and and Taylor loved that. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you haven't seen the movie Studio Six Six Six, you definitely got to check it out because Taylor Hawkins plays an amazing Taylor Taylor Hawkins. <laughs> <laughs> Played an amazing Taylor Hawkins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was it was it was completely great. Um, you know, and again, I've I've got to give it up because uh, honestly, I didn't even think about Lane Staley. Lane Staley, yeah. I mean, I was thinking for myself, which on the next episode I will give my choice, my picks. Um, but uh, you know, I was thinking more. Uh, a bigger and everything like that. I didn't want to go with some of the more thought provoking, mm-hmm. uh, but Lane. I mean, I mean, I think with that group of guys, it would just be and, and Taylor's got an amazing voice, right? Uh, because he would do uh, when they would they would be in concert, and Dave would get on the drum kit, and Taylor would sing Queen. Oh. Really? Yeah, and he was a huge Eddie Van Halen fan. Yeah, um, as he should be. Well, his shorts. Well, see, he yeah, always I, wore yeah, the I, the red was, striped shorts. I was caught, I was conflicted whether to go. I mean, Dime would have worked in that scenario, right? Um, I was conflicted with Eddie Van Halen and Randy Rhodes, but I'm thinking, you know, Randy, you know, he had that. Classical training. Right. And if you remember on the first Ozzy album where he does that little guitar solo. D. Where, yeah. Where he's like, ding, diddly, diddly, yeah, he messes yeah. up and then he does it. But then he does it all the way through there. And I was thinking with that, with, you know, and, you know, he was with fucking Ozzy. Right. And that's, I, I just thought it fit. Right. You know, with and, Lane and, and, and right. Cliff and, and everything. You know, and Ozzy was in a dark spot. 
when he got fired or when he left right. Black Sabbath, however you want to look at it. Well, basically, Randy brought, I mean, between yes. Randy and Sharon, yes. saved Ozzy's life. But when Randy walked into the studio and played the first thing for Ozzy, it's like he immediately, like, perked up and said, you are fucking it. Right. And, I mean, this coming from a guy who wrote songs with fucking Tony Iommi. Right. The the riff godfather of all time. So, I mean, that 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 says enough right there. Um, I was just probably like going, you can play three notes per string? Yeah. Because <laughs> um, Tony, Tony played a lot of arpeggios. Right, right. But, then it, but then it went back when he got Zach. Zach yeah. actually arpeggio master. Right. And um, when um, the show Ozzy and Jack Travel the World they went to the National Archives, and they pulled the tapes from the Blizzard of Oz album, and they played Randy's solos for Ozzy for the first right. time since they recorded them, and it was just Randy's solos, nothing else. And Ozzy was pretty much brought to fucking tears because it was just that fucking beautiful. And, you know, there was rumors... In the in the 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 free press rags that we read that Sharon and Randy had this fucking love affair or whatever, right. no. Sharon, Sharon has loved Ozzy since the day she met him. She loved him so much, and she was tired of him cheating on her so much that during the No More Tours tour, she told Ozzy that he had AIDS. So he would stop fucking around on her. Oh, my God. Yeah. Did it work? <laughs> yeah. I guess good for her. Well, and, and the bad thing about it, you got to think of Randy Rhodes in, in the early 80s. Oh, he was, a, he was beautiful. He was a pretty, pretty man. Yeah. I mean, he was a, effeminate. He was a little guy. Yeah. He could get any pussy he wanted. Yeah. You remember Sharon in the early 80s? Yeah. Wasn't that attractive? No. Why would he be doing that? Right. Just saying. <laughs> I mean, I mean, you look at her now as a seventy-seven-year-old woman. She don't look too bad. She's had a lot of work done. Well, she also but back in the early eighties, she was pretty chubby. Yeah, she was his manager. Yeah, <laughs> and it was. Um, what are you doing over there? Fucking this thing moved. I'm trying to fix it. Well, you got you got to tighten them at the same time. It's it's like it's like nipples. Okay. Tune in Tokyo. All these things on. <laughs> Um, yeah. Wait, wait, no, 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 no. So, okay, we have three amazing groups. And now I'm going to do something that we haven't even talked about. And oh, God damn, you're going off script? Yes. And then oh, no. James, <laughs> James will be able to do this on the next podcast when we have uh, two more lists, or actually three, because mine will be in there. So I'm going to take a little bit from everybody's, and with just those three, I am going to make my own group. Oh, shit. Okay. So, on vocals, I'm going Lane Staley. Just because if you listen to the song Wood, mm -hmm. if you listen to the song Rooster, it, the, the emotion in it, it Dio's good. A lot of Dio's 
lyrics Man were box. magical. Oh, yeah. And yes, Jerry Cantrell did write a lot of the lyrics because he wrote Rooster because that was a story about his dad. On bass, I'm going Lemmy Kilminster because Lemmy, his playing, it, it broke through the mold. And his vocaling style, along with his bass playing, it's very signature and it's very heavy. But he's also he also had some of those songs uh, with Ozzy, where it was to where he was more talking and it was the low, gravelly sort of tone. And it's like that's that's fucking badass. Um, guitar, I am gonna go Eddie Van Halen. Because um, Eddie, he he had that style all on its own. Um, he was able to take a little bit of that um, that classical style, but also that Mediterranean. He invented the finger picking, right? He didn't invent it. He didn't invent it. He, he was the one that actually was would play it longer than just a beep 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 beep. Because a lot of guitar players were doing that, but Eddie was like, like going to town with it. What what Eddie first started doing that and performing it live on the Sunset Strip and everything, uh, band members or their managers like, when you do that shit, turn your back to the crowd. We don't want anybody seeing what you're doing. Right. Because he was basically taking his left hand and taking the nut. Of the guitar, which is where mm-hmm. your strings go up in. And he would move that up and down while tapping. Yeah. Here. Nice harmonizing. Yeah. Bro. Yeah. And, and then. And then also adding in the three and four finger taps yeah. and everything. And, yeah. and, and nobody was doing that to that proficiency at that right. time. You may hear a little. Yeah. Or a. Well, I, I just watched a video on that. And he was talking about that. He said. Where he, where he started to learn how to do it, he's like, you could see, um, God damn it, who was it he's talking about? Uh, Pete Townsend or somebody? Okay. And he's got his hand up in the air, and he's going, yeah. well, that's a hammer-on. Right. Hammer-on, pull-off, hammer-on, pull-off, hammer-on, right. pull-off, hammer-on. He's like, he's watching that going, huh, what if I do this? Right. He's like, you know. Yeah. So he didn't invent it, but yeah, he yeah. perfected it. Doesn't Wolfie do it too? Oh, yes. Well, yeah. Yeah. Um, Wolfie yeah. said his dad was the worst guitar player ever, or <laughs> the gu- guitar, the guitar teacher, teacher yeah. ever, yeah. because he's like, well, okay, son, here's how you do this. Do this. He's like, fuck you, dad. What the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> you know. Um, not, not to get off topic a little bit, but there is a video, and you guys owe it to yourselves to find it on YouTube. Wolfgang Van Halen plays Eruption on the Frankenstrat in the 5150 studio. It's it's didn't like he, a 50 second. Didn't he do it at the Taylor Hawkins show? Uh, yeah, but not on the Frankenstrat. Right. He was playing uh the Wolfgang. Right. His, the, it's not his signature, but it's the name of the guitar that his dad named after him. Ah. Because Wolfgang was 
everything to his dad. And, of course, on drums, I mean, I've, I've got no choice. Taylor Hawkins, but again, like I like I had mentioned before, well, you got another choice. Oh, yeah, I get it. Taylor Hawkins, uh, he he had a he had a jazz influence, like a Buddy Rich, mm-hmm. but he was able to he was able to make it work with Dave Grohl, and with Dave Grohl being one of the better drummers. To come out of the nineties, out of the grunge era. Well, yeah. Um, out of the well, you know, out of the uh, grunge era. <coughs> I mean, Nirvana, right? Shout out, yes. Um, but to have Dave Grohl say, "Okay, man, you're good." You know, I am going to allow you to write the drums on this album. And Taylor Hawkins said that that was, that was the hardest thing he ever did. That first Foo Fighters album where they all wrote together, he's like, he major anxiety, fucking panic attacks, because he's about to lay down drum tracks for Dave fucking Grohl. So, um, there we go, folks. We have just uh, listed the first half of the supergroups from uh, our our opinions. If you agree or disagree, feel free to leave us a comment in the uh, comment section. Uh, if you're listening on Spotify or Apple or Amazon or anywhere else, go to YouTube, uh, J&M Solve the World, and follow us there because the videos, uh, we, we post the videos to each one of our uh, podcasts, and um, especially even if it's an after dark, because you never know what's going to pop up in the photos in the uh, in the after dark segments. But as you can still tell, we are still in St. Louis. Yes, yes, we are, and uh, the merch, the J and M Solve the World merchandise is available if you would like a shirt, uh, I have a hat, uh, a visor, or anything like that. Let us know. Uh, send us a message. Uh, you can find us on you know YouTube, Spotify. Uh, you can find me on Snapchat, on TikTok, on Instagram, on Tumblr, on Thread, on Reddit, uh, I think he's on OnlyFans too. Only my butthole. Only your, only your butthole. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's just my butthole. Um, and then you can also, uh, you can find James on Facebook, James Wesley Stewart. You can find me on Facebook. It's Matt Hembry, and you'll have to go down and you'll have to look through it and everything because there are several. Matt Hembrys, and I'm not putting my full fucking name out there. Um, but until next time, put my full name yeah, out there. Out. Well, because that's your screen name. <laughs> yeah. Um, but because I, I just put James Stewart. There's a million. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I googled my name one time. <laughs> I was like, Jesus Christ. When we yeah, did, apparently. when we did the obituary for my mom. And it automatically got ran in the paper in Clarksville, Tennessee. Right. And there's another Matthew Hembry 
in Clarksville, Tennessee. So in the obituary, I had them put Matthew D. Hembry. I don't know how many calls I got when I lived in Clarksville for this other dude owing fucking money. And I'm like, no, that ain't me, bro. (laughs) Um, But until next time, you have just watched another episode of Stu Hem Productions Presents. JDM, solve the world. I am James. And I am Matt. And on half of Iran and Cody, you keep one fist in the gold, one foot in the gutter, and we will be seeing you. Peace.